Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 72 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Today I'm super excited to introduce to you an amazing woman. Her name is Myesha and she is Asha's mom. The thing that really struck me most about Myesha from the first times I started communicating with her was her tremendous big heart. Very shortly after her seven-month-old daughter died from cardiomyopathy, she became an ambassador for the Pediatric Cardiomyopathy Foundation. In addition to that, she is just a light to so many others who have lost their children to cardiomyopathy. She feels like a couple of women in particular really saved her when she was going through her hard, hard times right after Asha's death. So she wants to transfer that light on to others by helping them as they walk through this dark journey as well. Again, I want to remind all of you that if you would like to share your story on the Always Andy's Mom podcast, please reach out to me. You can reach out via Facebook or Instagram or via email at marcy at andysmom.com. I just love being able to share other people's stories in this way. It is just such an honor. Thank you so much, Maisha, for joining me today on the show. I am so excited to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. So why don't you just start out by telling us about your precious little babe, Asha? Asha, she was seven months old when she passed away. Uh, She was a very bright baby and very happy baby. She just smiled all the time when she woke up in the morning during feedings. She wasn't like a crybaby. My son, he was like a really crybaby. (laughs) He was a little baby, but Asha, she just had a calmness to her and... um, she just had started to learn how to crawl. Wow. She would do this thing where she would look like she's about to start crawling. Well, she hadn't started like actually moving, but she would get on her hands and her mm-hmm. So she would do this thing where I would, she would like get up on her, her all fours and I would be like, okay, she's about to go. She's about to move. But then she would just rock back. <laughs> she would just rock back and forth without actually moving her legs and then just flop back on her stomach so like that was pretty like, awesome oh honey yeah you're almost there you're almost there you can do it she she did it a couple times and I actually have a video of her doing it once and another because I record everything and there's another video where she was she got up on her fours and then she sat back down and then she falls all the way back and she lifts up her little leg and she like poses for like a little minute that that's another one that I have that I have to uh, share with you. Oh, when you have that on a video too? Yes, and they're actually on um, always Asha page. If you look on there, you'll see like a lot of like little videos and things that uh, 
she used to do. And, you know, I thought she was like teething. Well, she was. So that was another reason why I thought she was really fussy because her like little teeth and rings, you know, mm-hmm. she would chew on them and, you know, do stuff like oh, that's that. That's pretty normal thing. Yeah. 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 And when her dad, she was just getting to where she would wave high and bye. So when her dad would come in, like she always would be, she would be like <laughs> waving her little hand, like <laughs> trying to get her to say bye. But instead she would just wave and little flame her little hand and stuff like that, which was really awesome. And uh, listening to her little brother, he would read to her. I mean, her her um, big brother, he would read to her sometimes and rock her, her little rocker. She just would be sitting there and laughing and stuff like that. So, yeah. And you told me she's got an amazing smile. Yes. An amazing little smile. laugh is so contagious. I have to send you a, I have a video of that too, of her laugh. It's the laugh will get you. <laughs> The laugh will, you will definitely laugh from her laugh and her smile. Her smile is just always just smiling all the time. You have to send me that. I'm going to see if I can find a way to put that, link that video on my website. I was able to do that one other time. So I will have to try to figure that out again, but I'd love to have a little video of her laughing. That'd be awesome. I actually wanted to get it in a -A Build-A-Bear. Like, you know, to press it and then her laugh. You will hear her laugh all the time. Like one of the bears. I actually wanted to do something like that. Yeah. Just was a really happy baby all the time, smiling, laughing. She would do this thing where she would uh, touch your face and just kind of look to your soul. It felt like sometimes just look in your eyes and just like, it's like she just coming to you and just giving you like a warm hug. Like she was a, just a very pretty, precious, awesome, good baby. Good. She was awesome. <laughs> Her brother's older than her? Yes. He's seven now. They were super close. Very, very close. Uh, so that was hard, hard on him. But yes, she was close, very close with her brother. Oh, that's great. Great to hear about her and see those beautiful pictures that you have right behind you. I love that. Now, as a reminder to the listeners, there will be pictures on my website. So you've got to make sure to go to the website so you can see pictures of cute little Asha. That's actually a picture that um, I have a lot of them with her hand on her dad's face like this and just staring at his pictures right there. What a special little memory to have, to be able to think about that and her hand on your face. Kind Mm -hmm. of a little gift, really, that you got from her to be able to remember that. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely is. So why don't you go on now and talk about what happened with Asha? She passed away June 28th, 2017. We're a military family, so we were actually about to move to Italy around the time she passed away. Uh, she started to be a little fussy, which was like not her. Mm-hmm. She's always happy. She started to cry a lot. And I just was taking her to the emergency room. I had, In the course of about three weeks, two and a half to three weeks, she had been to the emergency room about four times and then to her PCP also. And they just could not really? figure out what um, was going on. They gave her x-rays, enema, and they couldn't figure out what's going on. So they ended up sending me to a specialist, a GI. They told me I had to go see a GI specialist. Because they thought she was just fussy because of GI They issues? were just sure it was Because it was her. just fussiness? They were just sure it was her stomach. And she wasn't feeding as much and okay bathroom and things like that but they just you know was like it's a stomach issue you keep bringing her back like we're not sure what to tell you you have to go to a specialist 
and we were moving to Italy. So when you move in the military, you get time to go back to your family. Mm-hmm. So like literally all of our things were gone and we could, I could not get a specialist doctor, GI doctor in the time frame that I needed, like soon, because we had a flight to go to Italy here in North Carolina, where we were moving from. And I said, well, I'm going to schedule. They were scheduling me like months out. And I'm like, okay. So I scheduled it in Pennsylvania where we were going to see our family before we moved. So at the Children's Hospital Mm -hmm. Philadelphia is where I scheduled her appointment. So, you know, we got to Pennsylvania and it was her episodes were not every single day all the time. Just was sometimes, you know, she would get fussy and really tired and things like that. So I scheduled her appointment for June 28th at the Children's um, Hospital of Philadelphia, and she passed away that morning. So she never made her appointment that morning. Oh, my word. So was she just at home then? We were staying with family because, again, Mm -hmm. we were in Pennsylvania before we went. Sure, sure. And we were staying at um, my brother-in-law's house. And, yeah, that night she was a little fussy. And I still regret it till this day because it's like, you know, maybe I should take her to the hospital tonight I know it's like one one in the morning I was like, maybe I should just take her to the hospital tonight but I said like, she has her appointment in the morning and every last time I take her they were telling me like we can't do anything you have to go right yeah we not we're not sure you have to see a specialty doctor Ed. you know I do regret not taking her that night mm-hmm. my husband had to get up really early in the morning because he had to go to court because we were doing custody for my bonus daughter mm-hmm. and when he woke he woke me up because she just wasn't looking okay you know as soon as I woke up and, yeah. I, and I saw her I just knew something it was just I immediately called an ambulance uh, ambulance they came in my husband had room with her he, he was trying to do CPR on her while I was on the phone with 911 while they were getting someone out and he ended up riding with her the police was there they came first and it was horrible because the police officers who showed up were just like I felt like they thought we did something to her yeah my husband got in the ambulance immediately and for me the police wanted to speak to me and it was like I couldn't think straight like I just need to get to the hospital you know so then one person yeah. got in the ambulance and the police officer were just like no you have to stay here one of them was like you you got us you need to stay here what and for me, was like, I don't know what's happening right now, but I do know I need to get to this hospital, you know? And thank God for the other police officer, because he said, no, she has to go. She needs to yeah. go to the hospital. And yeah, in the hospital, they were working on her. And I remember my father-in-law just passed out. At the time, it didn't register, because I'm like, there's no way, you know? I was just praying yeah. the time, praying and praying yeah. and praying. And when the doctor brought us into another room even then I was like you know still wasn't registering and I turned and I looked up at her and I just seen it in her face you know and I remember saying like please don't say it please don't say it don't say it don't say it like please don't say it like I just didn't want to hear it I didn't want her to say it at all you know and then they you know they say I'm sorry but you know and they went on the whole school I don't even remember exactly what she said I just yeah it's so funny, the difference, because for me, I remember the exact words that came out of his mouth, and I can hear it in my head again and again and again, and it's horrible. I mean, it's horrible yeah. to have those words say, despite our best efforts, 
we were unable to save your son. Yeah. I mean, you just don't think it's possible. It's just like, that just can't happen, right? It just can't happen. Yeah. Especially so out of the blue like that. Yeah, we just, we didn't, I didn't understand. I'm like, I don't understand. And I went through so many things in my head because they had to do an autopsy and everything. And and I'm like, they did for Andy too. I'm just like, what happened? Like, was it a barrette? Because, you know, I had, I would put these little barrettes in her hair and my mom didn't know. I never tied it to, she just had a little stomach bug, you know, in my mind. Right. That's just right. Right. So it was torture for the days up, you know, just trying to, in my mind, constantly trying to see what happened, where, what did, what did not do, what, just not knowing anything until the coroner called and asked us to come in. And when she said, uh, cardiomyopathy, I didn't know what that was, you know, I'm like, cardiomyopathy, what is yeah. that, you know, and she pretty much said she had an enlarged heart, you know, her heart was mm-hmm. too big pretty much. Mm-hmm. And I remember her saying, you know, well, it would have happened anyway. Like, it, yeah. it was like, you know, it was nothing you could do if you took her the day before, whenever it was, go- it was going to happen mm-hmm. in my mind. I'm like, how can you say you don't know what could happen? You know, like, don't, that mm-hmm. didn't sit well with me because she was just pretty much telling me like, I think they were trying to tell you to don't blame yourself because yeah. no matter what they would have done to try at the hospital, which they would have tried. I mean, they would have tried. They were saying they wouldn't have been able to save that heart. Yeah, but it's hard because even with the uh, Children's Cardiomyopathy Foundation and seeing all of the stories where, you know, their children did have enlarged hearts, and but they're still there on medicine and they're doing well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And their milestones and things like that. It's really hard not to think about the what if. You know? Yeah. What if? Yeah. Oh, for sure. What if you know one of the seven or eight doctors who seen it within those three weeks would have mm-hmm. caught it? You know, you you just don't know. Is what I was feeling when she was saying those words. Like you don't know if it would have been detected early. You know, what could have been is. is it's hard. Yeah, that's hard. That's so hard. I mean, it's just not something that's common that when you have a little baby, you don't think that they could be in heart failure. And, you know, of course, I knew that that's what she died of, because that's what you had told me ahead of time. So when you tell me the story, I'm thinking in my mind, oh, that's a sign of heart failure. You know, her not feeding is a sign of heart failure. Her being so tired is a sign of heart failure. All those are signs of heart failure. But would I have known? Would I have picked it up? I don't really know because it's not an easy thing. It's not something that you go looking for when you come up with a tired, fussy baby. And it took me um, a little while because there was a lot of anger there because I'm like, oh, for sure. I, I know your pediatrician is just like, um, why couldn't anyone pick this up? You know, like even for me. So this that's another reason why the awareness part is really important for me because these signs mm-hmm. looked out for, you know, like these particular signs and certain things that was going on. And for me, it was just frustrated. I was frustrated and angry with the doctors in the beginning until I did my own research about the, the cardiomyopathy. And I'm realizing that I realized the issue was a lot bigger as far as research and educating do- doctors and people about it for them to know the signs to catch up on, to catch it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's another reason I got into the awareness part of it you know so 
but that was hard to deal with. Yeah. I ended up going back to North Carolina because we were supposed to go to Italy, but we ended up here at Fort Lee for a compassionate reassignment. So they said, you know, pretty much you don't have to go to Italy. You can stay here closer to family. And we chose to stay here yeah. in the States. And I ended up going back to North Carolina and I went to see her PCP because he was also mm-hmm. my son's. And he, he was great. You know, he was great. Yeah. Yeah. Because he didn't know what happened. We were in Pennsylvania. We moved, you know. So when I ended up moving back to North Carolina, I did go visit him to let him know what exactly it was and just ask him to do me a favor and put these, can you, can you put these pamphlets, just one simple thing about this mm-hmm. disease in your waiting room, you know, like things like that, just something simple. Or when you see these signs that you were unsure of in another child, can mm-hmm. you just get an x-ray to look at a chest x-ray or something, you know, look at the size of the heart and just, things like that. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I asked him to make me a promise to do these things if, you know, he did have another child because he just wasn't sure he, he didn't catch it. And, you know, he cried. And I'm sure he's kicking himself he, that he didn't yeah. catch it. And he cried. Yeah. And, you know, it was his first patient. She was his first patient that he lost. And I sat and I talked to him and I gave him a picture of her. And I wanted to tell him that, you know, I don't blame you. And it took me a while because... In the beginning, I did blame a lot of doctors because it was just so hard, you know, in myself. I blame myself a lot. Like, what if I would have took her to another hospital or what if I would have fought a little harder and like said, no, you guys have to figure this out like right now, you know? So sometimes I, that's really hard. The guilt, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. did you do everything, you know, that you, that, you know, you should have done so that's hard. <laughs> I know. And I, Gwen has this big thing saying, don't should yourself. Don't should yourself. I should have, I should have, I should have. Don't should yourself. And that, and just trying to remember, I did the best that I could with the information I had at the time. Yeah. And my word, honey, you did. You went back and took her in five times, five times. Yeah. You tried so hard. Oh, I mean, I feel for you as a grieving mom, I feel for the doctors as not picking it up and not, not looking that one direction. Do I think of it differently now? Of course I do. Because once you've seen something like that, once it's always in your head, yeah, right? It's always in your head to, to look for back. it. Cause they're emergency mm-hmm. room doctors, you know, they just, they're there and they're trying to help a lot of people. And I want them to remember you know like I want you to remember her so mm-hmm. if this if another child comes in like this and you guys you know you'll know you'll have that in your in your mind mm-hmm. take this picture of her like remember remember her you know when I started to do my research I went really heavy in trying to figure out what cardiomyopathy was and that's how I got in um, with the foundation because the founder of Lisa you like she's awesome I reached out to her because when I was looking researching she was the only person that popped up and it was an article about her and the same thing with Asha happened with her child and it was like she's the only lady in the whole world who knows and understands what I'm feeling right now is the way I was thinking and I was like I have to talk to her right and I emailed her and I was like She's like running a whole foundation. She's not going to email me back. But she emailed me yeah. the next day. And she gave me a number to call to talk to her. And we talked. And that's how I got involved in the foundation. And it's been such a big part of my journey 
to be honest. Yes. Touch with so many other moms and things like that. Yeah, I want you to talk about that. Can you talk about that from the beginning, from that first conversation and kind of how that has helped you in this journey? Definitely. Uh, so getting in touch with Lisa and looking through, because it was like, that was the only thing that popped up about it was the Children's Cardiomyopathy Foundation. Mm-hmm. There were no other organizations or anything that I found on it besides this one. And they have uh, just a big support group and other people who are going through the same thing, bereaved parents and parents who have lived in children with cardiomyopathy and things like that. And they have a um, chat where we all go into sometimes and we oh. meet each other through, you know, through the uh, social media. And I've connected with many of them, and even in person. The first mom that reached out to me, her name is Julie, and I'll never forget her words. She's the reason that I continue to reach out to moms now. I remember her telling me, she said, be gentle with yourself. And that was like, no one had ever, I was like, I don't even think anyone knew how hard I was being on myself, but the first time that I talked to her, I think that was like her sign off. It's just like, be gentle with yourself. And mm-hmm. for me, it meant a lot to hear those words. Yes. That's huge. Yes. It's huge because we aren't, we aren't gentle with ourselves at all. Especially I can hear in your words about when, you know, that day and those days afterwards, you weren't gentle with yourself at all. What could I have done? What should I have done? What might've made things different? That's not being gentle with yourself. And in the least, Mm-mm. I met with her in Pennsylvania because we're from originally from Pennsylvania and she's from Pennsylvania. And I met her at like, I don't know, a coffee spot or something. And it was just to sit. That was the first time I sat and had a conversation with another mom who completely understood. Like I was feeling so, I was not alone at all. I have a, a big support system. My sisters, mm-hmm. friends, my mom, like my Mother and all, like everyone, I have a really big support system, but I still felt very lonely. Like, so yeah, it's not the same. It's like you're on a little island, and then all these people are around passing by and they're throwing things at you, but they're not there with you, you know. And when I sat and had that conversation with Julie, I don't know how long we were there, I lost track of time, but it just made me feel so good to sit and talk about her. And then she talked about her son, Noah, and everything about him, and it was just she don't, I don't think she understands how much she helped me. Like I tell her, but I think she really, she really understands me. Even Asha's first birthday, it was like, what do I do? Right? Like, I was like, I don't know what to do. What am I supposed to do? And I remember reaching out to her. I was like, I had like anxiety. It just was her birthday was coming up. And I'm like, I don't know. And I had reached out to Julie and she was like, you can do whatever you want to do. She said, you can sit in your room and cry. You can throw a birthday. You can do whatever it is that you, what you feel you want to do. And that just brought me like, okay. like Gives you permission. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, it's yeah. like so a, what did you do? I ended up having a party for her, like a big, like I started to smile for Asha even because yeah. she loved to smile. She smiled at every, everything. And, um, like her smile was super contagious. Her laugh was contagious, like all the time. So I started Smile for Asha. So uh, that first year I had like everyone here, but it was a lot for me. 
you know, I held yeah. it together, but it was a lot. So I didn't do it. I haven't done that again. Um, a lot of people around that first year was kind of, it was a lot. <laughs> the most Yeah. That's overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. It was like, mm-hmm. it was a lot. So, um, every year now I just do small for Ashi event where I ask everyone through social media, people I meet just to do any act of kindness towards another person. doesn't matter what it is just to make someone else smile is the whole goal. And then you, I have a Facebook page. It's called, um, always Asha AMV where I will post all the smiles and some post about her and just things like that. Cause like, I just never want anyone to forget her. Right. Yeah. You just, right. one time I, I'm in like a heart mom's group and the lady, she posted like, can you just write on a piece of paper or anything? My son's name. Cause she yeah. wants to just see his name. And like, that's really a thing. Like sometimes I just want to see her name or hear her name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Small for Asha is what we do for her birthday. Every year we choose to do, just do something for someone. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. It is important to try to do something, I think, to honor them, you know, on their birthday, the anniversary of the death, those kind of big days. Yeah. I try to do something. I know this last anniversary, I just asked people to email me or post on Facebook memories of Andy, like little things that I might not know because, you know, I had had no new memories of him for two years and it just hurt. I just wanted a new memory. I wanted something new that I just hadn't heard before. And so I had quite a few people write things down that were new. It was incredibly precious to me to hear something, you know, about my son and how he mattered to somebody. Yes. And I love when my son, he would just come up to me and be like, mommy, do you remember when I should like slap on my face or grab my face and things like that? I love when he comes to me with the the, little things, you know. Yes. Or he'll see. Yes. He's like, do you remember when Asha used to do that? (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad he does that. I'm so glad. He does. He still talks about her sometimes. I used to try to make it a thing to watch. I made like a video for that first birthday. It was like a video with music in the background, all of her pictures. Um, I love pictures. I've always taken a lot of pictures. I don't have many when Mm -hmm. I was a kid. So I have like every milestone my kids hit, I have a video for it. (laughs) all the time so I have like a big slideshow that I have and sometimes I'll watch it and I would want the kids to watch it because it's like I don't want them to forget her but I stopped pressuring them to do it and now he acts like hey can we watch that video of Asha you know <laughs> Asha's video I'm like sure you can watch that so yeah that's awesome because I just never want them to forget and I have I actually set up emails when my son was born he has his own like email where I send all of his little milestones, like when he started riding a bike, when he first went to school, and pictures and videos, I sent to an email, like, I'll give him the password when he gets older and he can see it. And I had one for Asha, too, when she was born. So I still send things to her. So I'll send letters, poems, pictures, and things like that. Like, I just kind of feel like, you know, oh. getting these. I'll send it through there because I do. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Oh. So what exactly are you doing with uh, Cardiomyopathy Foundation now? It started just me doing it. Just, hey, I would email her name was Gina. And I would say, mm-hmm. hey, can you send me pamphlets about cardiomyopathy? And my dad also had heart condition. 
and I would be in the hospitals a lot with him, so I would always have my pamphlets and stuff from CCF and go to the kids' side and give them the information about the pediatric cardiomyopathy, just like literally just spreading awareness wherever I could, even at my kids' doctors. Hey, can you yeah. look over this? You know, just giving them these things. And Gina ended up asking me, I'm pretty sure she was like, this girl is always going around (laughs) doing this awareness thing. And she told me about the program to become an ambassador for CCF. And it's just pretty much just the same thing I've been doing just for awareness, (laughs) honestly. And I was like, you're natural. Yes, I sure can, you know. So um, pretty much just going around. I will set up tables. They do bake for a cure, walk for a cure, night out for a cure, just different things to bring awareness to pediatric cardiomyopathy. Just that's it. And also getting in touch with other moms. So I have recently had another Stormy, I believe her name is Stormy from the Children's Cardiomyopathy Foundation. She had reached out to me because there was another, a mom who had just recently lost her child and trying to put us together, which I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. And she was like, you know, she's not ready yet, but is it okay for me yeah. to give you her information, exchange information? I was like, at the time, um, Asha passed away 2017. My father had passed away December 2018. So for a while, I had taken a break from it. It was just a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, so I had taken a complete break for it. And actually, that email got me back into it. Because I never say no when it comes to another mom, because I know how important Julie was to me. Like so in in the beginning. So anytime they're like, hey, there's a mom or if I hear of one, I always reach out. No pressure, just a simple, hey, if you ever need anyone to talk to another person who understands, I'm here. I'll listen, whatever, you know. So when they emailed me about another mom, I was like really nervous because it was a while since I had like did it. But Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, it's like no way I'm going to say no. And her name is Nancy, and we'd speak every Sunday, 9.30. Oh, very good. <laughs> every Sunday. We started out with Bible study because my faith was definitely tested. Yeah. Through tester. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, still. And she is a believer, a very strong believer, and she's been helping guide me back to where I want to be. Right. Mm-hmm. So we would start, we start out with just a Bible study, but we always just talk about our kids. She would talk about her daughter. I would talk about my daughter in the beginning. And then we would get into the Bible study and just supporting each other, talking to each other, what, we're, what we've been doing, this scrapbooking that she's putting together. I want to try like just things like that, you know, and certain books we'll read together on the phone, mm-hmm. certain chapters. And like, I've been through that step already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't that funny when you read those books? Like, yep, I've done that. Oh, I have not done that at all. And then you go on to the next thing and like, oh, but I have done that one. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely not sequential. Right. Not at all. So, yeah. So some steps I haven't hit yet, she has. And it's like that. So I speak to her. We talk every week and we keep in touch. I keep in touch with Julie. and I love the Bible study aspect there because I have had problems going back to regular Bible study since Andy's death. I tried. You know what I mean? I've tried. But when they put in, you know, then people put in prayer requests and sometimes it just seems like my problems are like on a such a different level than their problems. And I feel like I can't express really 
some of my anger towards God that I have because I'm afraid they'll look at me like, what the heck are you even doing here if you feel like that? You know? Yeah. We definitely expressed our anger. I've had. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it started, that's why I said it started out as Bible study. Because I had not, I had stopped going to church. Because after Asha passed away, I went to church one day. And it was just very hard. And I wanted to speak to the pastor. So after church, I went to him and I told him a little about what had happened. I really needed to talk to someone. And he was like, okay, we will get someone to talk to you and take your information out. Yeah. No one ever called me. Like no one ever reached back out. Oh, like no. After that happened, it just was like, I had completely stopped going. I stopped going to church. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Bible, yeah. she was just, we, it was like a book, but a template, I guess about like things uh-huh. we would like fill out and it was like certain scriptures that we would read mm-hmm. the Bible and then write about what we thought about it or we would talk about it. That would be pretty much what we were doing in the beginning. Now we're reading another book, a different book. It's not a more of a Bible study, but more just about where we are and what we're going through at this time. Mm-hmm. But I think it's so important when you can have someone that you share a faith with that can support you, but not be freaked out when you are saying things that would scare other people. Yes, you know. Had another episode where I'm not sure who was on there, but they were talking about. I think you actually said you were driving or something, and you thought about like just. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yep. When you said it, I'm like, me too, and I had never. I was like, I'm not going to tell anyone this because they're going to think I'm crazy and they're going to try yes. to me away with the thoughts that I have. And no, I'm not going to do it, you know, but the thoughts have been in my head before. And when mm-hmm. you talked about it, it was just like, yes, that's exactly yeah. how I feel. But I had never told anyone. So that was not yeah. And I only told my friend Stephanie, you know, who's been on the show a few times. Mm-hmm. She's my, she's my lady. Like you're, what's it, Julie? Julie and Nancy, both of them, yeah. Yeah. So Stephanie's mine. Anyway, uh, yeah, that day when I was really feeling that strong, I'm like, who will not freak out if I tell them this? Like, And I felt like, Anybody. I think oh Stephanie's the only one who will not freak out. And she totally didn't. She totally didn't. I mean, anyone else I would have told, they would have been like, let me come over. What do you think? You know, like they would have been wanting to admit me to a mental hospital mm-hmm. or called up Eric and say, don't let her alone for the next, you know, whatever. They would have freaked out. And Stephanie was just like, yep, I've been there. Mm-hmm. I've been yeah. there. That's all you. Be- I- that's all I need sometimes is for someone just to understand. I'll be like, yes. You also yeah. have another episode on lament that yes. is like that word I'm telling you I did not have a word for it. I felt like I was crazy like mm-hmm. the way but it it's like something that has to happen and it still happens I still have those times where I'll be in my car and I just I have to just like let it out it's like a something it's literally in me that has to come out and mm-hmm. you guttural yes yeah. And you, yeah. When I was listening to episode, I mean, I turned that thing all the way up on my ride to Pennsylvania and listened because I'm like, this is it. This is the word. I did not. I never knew that there was a word for it because it, it was not. I know. Thing. It was not. It, that was that didn't fit to what I was feeling and what was happening. And I like, I was like, I don't know what this is, but yeah. Yeah. I remember that same thing. I remember going to the Bible study and they had a thing on lament. 
And I just, I think my eyes just got huge because I said, I always just called it the bad cry. I had no idea this is what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I still will have periods of time when I lament. It's not as often. But the other day, last month sometime, I went to the cemetery and I like sobbed. I mean, I was showing lament. And I'm Mm -hmm. thinking to myself, I hope the neighbors are not wondering what is going on here it's because there, because the cemetery is kind of in a neighborhood. and But I thought, it's cold. Their windows are closed. They're probably not hearing me because this is after I just had to do that. Mm-hmm. I just had to completely let it out, fall to the ground, and just give those kind of guttural, gut-wrenching sobs. Like if someone and hears after- you, they're going to think like, I'm like, seriously it's and it's like here you feel it inside of you and it just that word yes and once I was able to get it out certainly I felt tired Mm -hmm. but I did feel this sense of relief yes like a weight came off yeah like it just needed to come out it has yeah you have to go through I've been through a couple um counselors and people who I went to talk to and things mm-hmm. like that you know and everyone says it ha- you have to let it out it has to even in front of my kids I would try to like not cry oh yeah for I'm, sure uh-huh. I'm not gonna cry even my husband like I'm not gonna put this on him I'm gonna hold it together and wait till they right. leave and then just you right. know and then like, because you go oh well maybe he's having kind of a good day yeah if he's yeah. having kind of a good day I don't want to ruin his day yeah so I better just wait until he's gone mm-hmm. you know and the kids are in school not that you should do that but it's it is natural I yeah. think it's natural to want to do that because you want to protect the others that you love and it was mm-hmm. really bad because my son has started kindergarten and my husband like again we we just read differently he was able to go jump back into his work and I was home I was uh, stay-at-home mom so I'm always home so when my son went to school I didn't know what to do with myself I was I really felt like I was going crazy like I'm going to yeah. mind sitting here in this and just constantly the what ifs were getting to me at the time yeah and it's still do sometimes but those who was getting to me constantly in my head I'm like, I have to find something to do and I just t- yes. crocheting I started crocheting because I would have to focus on the pattern yes my mind was on yeah. one thing and it wasn't on a million other things and when my from my son started school I was also stressed about him going he's not with me I can't watch him and see what he's doing and protect him all day he's away in school and that was stressing me out like I realized mm-hmm. my anxiety went through the roof every I was worried about every single thing it was already bad before but it was worse and I had to just find things to do and I started crocheting baby clothes oh you know booties and so hats sweet and things like that and or doing like crafty things it was like I have to do something or I'm like I felt like I was going crazy you know yeah it is nice to try to do something to keep yourself occupied because mm-hmm. that that was such a challenge for me as well because you know I tried going back to work and as you know listeners know I tried going back to work but my work was so incredibly hard like that is not a good place to do when you're grieving your child to go take care of sick children like that's just doesn't work well so I needed to be in a totally different place before I could do that but then you have to find something else that you can do to kind of occupy a little bit of your mind but like not too much right it has to be in some ways it's got to be something kind of simple yeah because things that are too complicated 
again, just get overwhelming. Yeah. And when you're going through all that. And writing also um, to get the thoughts on paper or something. One of my counselors mm-hmm. has suggested that <laughs> writing again, I started writing poems and writing to her, but for a while it was hard because, you know, I wouldn't, it's like the only thing I could say to her because of that guilt was, I'm sorry. It was just yeah. always what would come out of my mouth anytime. You'd be like, well, you know, you can talk to her, you can write to her. And the only thing that would come out was, it was like, I couldn't say anything besides like, I'm sorry. And I love you. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like a, oh, I'm just going to go talk to that, you know, what we, she was cremated, but, you know, sit there and just talk to her in that way. It was so hard because I felt like it was the guilt, like it was mm-hmm. just the guilt, you know? So that part was hard for me to get past the once. I'm not really passionate, I, but I start writing. No, no. And I think it always comes back. It's it's a yeah. problem that that guilt, you feel like, okay, I've let it go. I've let it go. Mm-hmm. And then oh, it'll just creep back. I felt that way about anger a lot. I felt like, okay, today's the day. I'm getting rid of the anger. This anger is poison. It's mm-hmm. toxic to me. It's not doing good things to me. I can let it go today. But then oh, we'll just sneak right back. It just sneak right back in your life. And I feel like it guilt's that way too. It would, hit you. Back. it would hit me really hard sometimes. Like it's just, I'm a student also. So I go to school, I'm trying to go to school to become a teacher. And I would be trying to work on assignments. It's like, it's not yeah. you today. But it, it would just come. Sometimes it just comes to me. And I'm like, I can't focus on anything else. Can't even focus on this yes. assignment or read what I have to read because I'm thinking about this. I would like look up at a picture. I don't know if this happened to you, but I look at a picture of my Simi and Sanaya, Kasim and Sanaya. Mm-hmm. And I would get so sad because Ash is not in that picture. You know, she's supposed yeah. to be in that picture, you know? Yes. And where I sit and do my work is pictures of them. And it was a newer picture of them. And I lo- happened to just look up doing my homework and it just completely threw me, threw me. Wow. Like a wave just smacked me in my face. Like she's supposed to be in that picture. And it was just one of those times where I just had to leave and go in my car and just like. Yeah. You know, I have an iPhone and they now on these newest versions of iPhone, they just get you, give you these pictures. I, they give you like, I don't know, six or eight new pictures every day and they just kill you I mean because there'll be one that'll come up of Andy and then there'll be ones that come up without Andy and the ones with Andy make me sad and cry and the ones without Andy Mm -hmm. are kind of worse because I feel like he should be there so yeah anyway that's hard challenging I had one come up of us on a family vacation and um, we're all in the picture. And I looked up at the date and it was exactly five years to the day later he would die. It was August 15th, 2013. And what's funny is that picture came up. I looked at it. I saw the date. And then just a few days ago, my sister-in-law sent me a picture. And she said, I, I have these pictures of your kids from your grandma's house because my grandma had moved to assisted living. She said, do you want them? And one of them was that picture that one from five years to the day before and I said yes and um but it's so crazy to look back at that Mm -hmm. those smiling pictures of you yeah and think you just didn't know a few months later or five years later yeah this horrible thing would happen you know so those picture memories are tough they are they they are I love pictures though like I have so many pictures in the house of Asha and her things I cannot get I know things 
Um, I'm going to need you to email me three so I can put them up on the website. Um, but how you are going to get get it down to three, I do not know. Because I, I can know. see about eight or ten like, just oh. in the video here. <laughs> That's actually her crib. Oh, my word. I found a way to repurpose her things. I did not want to get rid of them. But I felt like for my husband, it was hard to see them. And for me, I needed to see them. So I tried yeah. to find a way to compromise to make it good so i found ways through pinterest to repurpose yeah. things so that's her that's the side rail of her crib isn't it yeah the side rail of her crib and then i have her changing table as a table with like uh awards from my husband's um work on there and things like that and i'm trying to get her the other part of her crib made into a bench when i'm like nervous that i don't want anyone to mess it up so i gotta find the right person to do yeah. it you know trying to find other ways to just repurpose her things that I really i haven't gotten to the point where i can get rid of anything yeah that's a difficult thing too isn't it because yeah. andy's room hasn't hasn't really been touched it's exactly the same and, really that's how he left it and I think people think that's kind of weird in some ways. And I think even before Andy died, I might have even thought it was weird. But to me, it seems like the only right thing right now. Yeah. And we were yeah. in the house that she, you know, grew up well, it was in. We left when she passed away. We were moving. Sure. So yeah. All of her things were in the Atlantic somewhere on its way to Italy. So when they got back, I didn't have a room to put them in. But we have that sure. walk-in closet where I have all her things in. I needed it because the times where I first I would go in there and I would like have her scent. There's no vent. Right. Windows there. So all of her things were there and her scent was so, it was just there for so long. And I would just go in there and sit on that carpet. And sometimes I would sit and I would meditate in there, just sit in that closet and smell her, her. And it, I just. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. Ah, uh, I loved it that too it was funny i used to smell andy's dirty laundry for yeah yeah i know and it just smelled like dirty boy which i didn't like for you know when he was alive but gosh it probably took it took well over a year maybe a year and a half before the smell to go away and then i washed it finally it's just, but it was hard it was hard when the smell went away it's just starting to go away but i also have my own other little place which is her diaper bag mm -hmm. and i have all of the things that you know, little shoes. I still have pampers in there. And her yeah. stuff, where her smell will come from, I have it in a space where I really don't open it because that's like the one I go there for emergencies. Like I really, really. <laughs> um, I love that. Because I don't want to open it too much and then the smell, it's not there anymore. I know. I know. That's the problem about it being in a room, yeah. like a bedroom. But this is in a And the other thing about his bedroom, too, is I didn't want the door closed, mm -hmm. I, I wanted it open. Which is funny because different people in our family had different views about that. Like my daughter hated walking past his open room yeah. and I hated seeing his room, his door closed. So it was, it was very difficult. We left it like just a little bit open because the clothes to me meant he's not using it anymore. He's dead. He's gone. Yeah. And to her, the open was this constant reminder of he's not in there anymore. Yeah. And so it's it's different how people are so, so different. And you have to find that little ways to compromise. Yes. And that's mm -hmm. where my repurposing came from. That's exactly where her repurposing came from. One thing I did get rid of and I didn't want, though, was the thing. She had a little rocker that she was in that day she passed away. I didn't want anything from that day, which 
I didn't at the yeah. time I didn't. So the police were like, you know, we have this, 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 you can have, I didn't want, I didn't want her stroller. I didn't want any of those things. Even to this day, like I don't like to remember her funeral. I don't like to remember yeah. any of those last two weeks because she was just so much more than that moment, you know? So yeah. I and there's so much trauma related to that. I don't. I mean, yeah. So she had these little earrings in, and I wanted them. It was like two years later, I wanted them. And I was like, I wonder if they still have them. So I ended up calling like the funeral home and this places where I knew they, you know, and they were saying they didn't, but they did have her sleeper she was in. And at the time, I didn't want anything. But now, I was like, I now think you wish you did. send it to me. You know, like now, I do want it. And send it to me. So he ended up sending me the things that they did have. It's still in the box. I still haven't been able to open it. I mm-hmm. still have it upstairs in the box. I haven't been able to open that yet. And I would be, I used to say, um, well, my therapist, he would say, you know, well, when you're ready, you'll open it, you know, whenever you're ready. And, you know, the times that I do go in there, I look at it, but just not quite ready yet. Like still. Yeah. And that's okay. I'm so great that you've given yourself permission to be okay with not Mm -hmm. to just have it there and just be okay with not doing it. Yeah. It's again, just showing yourself kindness, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my word. She's an amazing little girl and you are an amazing woman. I have to say, I really admire you for, being able to reach out like you do when you're still in such significant pain just to be able to help others. And I, I mean, I really can certainly relate. You had sent me a message. It's funny. You mentioned it before we started recording and uh, on Instagram, you just sent me a message and it just said, thanks. And I had a little purple heart yeah. and I wrote back like, Pretty, pretty soon, I think, pretty much right away. I did not think. Yeah. <laughs> and I wrote back, you're welcome. And then I I can't remember what I said. I just said, I, I said, tell me a little bit about your story mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Because I thought, wow, it took a lot to say thank you. And I just want to know. I just want to know a little bit about this woman. Because I, I said thank you because it was just like, I don't think, does she, under, does she understand how much you know, how much you help other people just through, through my radio in my car. Like I needed that lament. I'm serious. I needed that word, your stories, when you talk about your son and the things that you go through after it's like, I can relate to that. And I needed that at those, at so many moments, if I need it, all I got to do is pick up my phone and go to my Spotify and listen to your podcast when I, I, I need that, or I need to hear other moms and other stories and things like that. And I was like, does she understand how much she helps other people and I was like well I'm gonna tell her and you just wrote thank you it was really funny because most of the time actually I mean I don't get a ton I get some you know I get a few a week or so and and usually I get kind of a little story but yours is so unique because you just said thank you that's all you wrote and it, it was beautiful but I really it made me want to hear a little more so I'm really glad you did I'm glad you told me more I'm like I don't want to pressure her if she doesn't want to but gosh I kind of want to know the story yeah when you sit back about the you know uh when you sit back about the seriously she wants to hear she want to hear about you know so I was like okay I'll just message you back and then when you talked about doing this it was it was a little 
when you asked for about me coming on, I was like, I don't know, you know, because I've always wanted to tell her story, but it was always hard for me to do so. Like I, publicly, I'm talking mom to mom. I do it, you know, but knowing that it was yeah. aired and things like that, I was like, I never did it. So I had sent back, like, I'll think about it. I'm like, she's like, she think about it. Like, what does she mean she'll think about it? Because I just, I wasn't sure yet. It took me a little. Oh, no. And I don't ever want to push people to. I mean, but. But I don't think I've had anybody regret it, honestly. I feel like everyone is so happy to be able to share mm-hmm. to share their story and to share a little bit of their child with people who and and with people who really get it and yes. understand and want to know, yes. right? It's not like you're pushing it on people who don't want to hear it. Because yes. we, we've talked about that too, I think, before we started recording. Like it's so nice to be able to talk about Andy because in my general life, I really can't because people think it's kind of weird if you talk about your dead child. Like I will talk about it. Occasionally I'll say little things like when I'm seeing patients and somebody won't take a bottle and I'll say, Oh, my middle son was like that. And they have no idea that my middle son is dead and that make that is okay. But if they had known like if they mm-hmm. ones that know me more and know that he died, then I feel like I can't even say it because it's going to make them so incredibly uncomfortable. But if I say my middle son, like he's still alive, they're okay. Mm-hmm. But as soon as it's about someone who's died, they are not yeah. okay. Yeah. And I, I had to say that to tell myself that because a lot of times, because I was doing so much work with the Children's Cardiomyopathy Foundation, I told you before, I think before we started recording, I don't really like tying the two, right? Like, I want people to be aware, but I really kind of don't like always tying her to it because she was so Mm -hmm. much more. And every time I think about talking about her, I feel like I'm always, it also has to do with CCF. And then I was like, Maisha, no, you listen to so many other episodes. That is not what this is about. You know, it's the more, it's what you actually want. You want to talk about her, like just her, you know? So I think that was, I was like, Duh, girl, come on. Yeah. You can do this. And, and I've, I had people say, too, they really wanted me to become an advocate, say, for um, distracted driving, you know, because obviously he, he's dead because someone was driving distracted. But, like, that's not my passion for me to do something about distracted driving because I need it to be about, and that's way more generalized. I think yours is more specific. But to just do a thing on distracted driving, like, that's not what... I feel like I want, I want to talk about Andy and I want people to be able to talk about their kids. And that's the gift that I want to give. Not, I mean, as, as great as it would be that no one drove distracted anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, that'd be wonderful and awesome, but that's just not my role. Right. Right. It's just not me personally. And so I'm glad that you were able to kind of divide that out a little bit that Mm -hmm. you've got, this role as an ambassador for cardiomyopathy to try to keep this from happening to other families, right? That's your ambassador role. And then you've got the other role, the role of the mom that supports other people who are in it with you Mm -hmm. and kids who've lost their children. Those are very, very different. You don't say the same things as an ambassador as you do to that bereaved mom that you Mm -hmm. talk to every Sunday morning at 930. It's not even close to the same. No, not even. Mm -mm. And I I love talking to other moms. And Mm -hmm. again, I have to say, Julie, I am like, I just, that is why I do it because it's like, I know 
how important that was for me to have that because it was a very lonely, very lonely. And just having a simple conversation about your kid because you can't have it with other people because they give you that look and then you're like, oh, here we go. You know, I can't even yeah. say anything or they give you that look and you said it plenty of times in other episodes like, you hate that question. How many kids do you have? You know, I, I know. it's like, I know it's coming. It's coming. I stopped going to play dates with my son and like, I kind of stopped, stayed out of the world for a little while because that question, I know it's coming and I never leave her out. I can't, it's like, I can't do it. Nope. I just yep. can't do it. You know, I know sometimes I don't want to go into, into it, but I had to tell myself it's okay to say, I don't want to talk about it too, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about it, but I know that that question is going to come. And it was, I dreaded that question early on. Like I did not want to have to talk about it because I'm talking about it. Then I'm start crying. You're going to look at me and you're going to start crying or you're going to, that pity look. And they're going to say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, oh, and I know people stop. mean, well, they don't, they don't know. They just don't know. And the pastor had told us when he talked to me and my husband early on, he was like, you're going to have to forgive people. Cause they're going to say some really crazy things and stupid things that they don't know what they're saying, but they're just, they feel like they have to say something, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's like, I want you to do me a favor and forgive them. Like already just forgive them because it's going to happen. And he was right. They came rolling in the crazy comments. Oh, at least you have more or, you know, know. doesn't make a dick. She, she was smaller. She was not like she was 12 or 13, you know, she was just, a, and you're looking at him like, what? They definitely came or it's, yeah. it was God's purpose. Like all of these th- things people would come at you with. It was like, you know what? I'm going to just stay in the house because I don't want <laughs> right. to, I can't, I don't want to deal with it. You know, like some people just don't know. And, but it was one person who inboxed me maybe a while later and she said, I'm sorry, I did not reach out to you at the time, but I did not have the words. I didn't know what to say. And I was okay with that because I would, I was, I know some people say they would rather people just say something, but no, I would rather you not say anything if you don't know what to say at that time in that moment, you know, so. But I would like you to show up and say, I don't have anything I can say. You know, I, I would rather you say those words versus something just. Yes. It was my absolute favorite thing. The funeral and the days and weeks after when someone said, I have no words for you. That was my favorite thing. You don't understand. That's the best thing you could have possibly said to me because anything else was, I didn't, I didn't like, Mm -hmm. I mean, even I'm so sorry was okay. I mean, that was all right, but like, yeah, me too. But the trying to give you like, oh, he was too good for this world. I get that sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, what is that? That is, that is ridiculous, you know? And uh, like, uh, there's just those type of things where that were meant to be comforting just came off as like, well, you know, just not, mm-hmm. not helpful. Yeah. yeah. Do you, one thing that I, that don't like it, but it's just when people say, oh, you are so strong. You are the strong. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh. Oh. You are preaching to the choir on that one. I hate that one too. Like, no, I'm not. No, no I'm not. I'm not. And. I know that no, they I'm not. well and from what they see from their view it is but when people say it just makes me be like like I do not have a choice what yeah. is my choice here 
And I am not strong. I am so weak. You have no idea. And so vulnerable. And I need so much help. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when you when people say you're so strong to you, it, it almost makes you feel a little more isolated and alone. Yes. Like you've mm-hmm. got to somehow do it on your own. No, I'm really not. And I really need you to do something. And mm-hmm. if it's just going to the grocery store or going to this or doing that, that's what I would rather have you say. I have no idea what I can say right now. Yeah. But what could I do for you? Could I go to the grocery store for you? Could I pick up Peter from school for you? Could I do this? Would you like to go for a walk? Would you like, like get a few little concrete ideas of something? Mm -hmm. Because you know what? We're not strong. No. We're not. No. We're not. And we don't feel strong. Don't feel at all. No. No. So that was, that was another one that would be like. That's a great one. That's a great reminder. Yeah. Thank you so much, Maisha. This was a great conversation. Great talk. Yes. I just loved hearing from you. I've been excited for your interview since we booked it like a month, month and a half ago. I've been looking forward to this I one. Was so. I was like, yeah. I know you sent me a message yesterday. You were nervous. And I said, it's just two moms talking. Like, yeah. And you know what? She's right. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. It really is. Yeah. So. Thank you for having me. This was great. Really, really great. Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.